this week, we're joined by Mary, the Chief Customer Officer at Involve.ai to have a convo about the changing definitions of CX and the technology-led CX revolution. Mary, do you want to give a quick intro? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you and everybody listening. Um, Mary Poppin, as you mentioned, it's a married name in case anybody was wondering. I love the jokes, so bring <laughs> it on. Um, I'm currently the Chief Strategy and Customer Officer at Involve.ai. We are a customer intelligence platform, um, which I'm happy to chat much more about. I've been in the customer success and customer delivery space for a really long time before customer success, you know, was uh, more than just a, a concept. Um, and so it's just been a really, really fun journey to kind of see how the customer has been made centric to, you know, organizations and to growth over the years. And obviously really fun to see the customer success, like movement grow as well. Hi, Mary. So yeah, let's jump into my favorite part of the show, which is the CX pitch. So I give you a real life CX scenario and you pitch your answer in 30 seconds. Ready? Okay. All right. So imagine you have just joined a new company who has been looking for new ways to inspire and motivate their customer service team to increase the NPS score, which as of late has been lagging a little bit. So during one of the meetings, the discussion reaches a pinnacle when someone suggests that increases in NPS could actually be attached to employee bonuses. At which point, <laughs> the, the hair of your back stands up. And so in the 30-second elevator pitch, I want you to tell me why using NPS scores for bonuses is a terrible idea. Oh my gosh, 30 seconds. Um, first of all, the NPS score is just one piece of the entire puzzle of the customer experience. And so um, focusing just on the score is going to mean that you're missing out on all of the qualitative data and the comments um, as well. Plus, you're potentially creating a gaming situation. So the only people who are going to be recommended or the context listed to receive the NPS are going to be people who will promote uh, the company and therefore the employees so they can retain their bonus. Okay, nice one. I love it. Did I meet the 30 <laughs> seconds? <laughs> you did. You did. And it's such, a, it's such an interesting one. Obviously, 30 seconds is a, is a bit of a push to try to break it down. But um, you see, you still see companies doing it. That's, that's the surprising part, right? And um, the results don't always, obviously, end up the best. <laughs> yeah, and you know what is so fascinating to me? Because NPS uh, was one of those measures that people could understand. And it just uh, picked up momentum across industries, really. I think the challenge is um, the methodology itself isn't always followed. And so yeah. what NPS really means isn't necessarily apples to apples when you listen to people's scores. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the other thing is when you over index on one sort of piece of the puzzle, um, you're, you're just missing, you're missing so much of the story yeah. um, that you could be pulling right on your customer voice and customer behavior. And ultimately, you could be making decisions that are really in the strategic, you know, disinterest yep. uh, of your company and employees. So, yep, a lot of uh, context being lost as well, isn't it, in the process of just using a single metric to base someone's performance and basically the the, the way your entire company looks at um, employee experience as well. Not not the best idea, probably. <laughs> that happens for employee engagement too, by the way. So yep. I also suggest don't just use employee engagement score increase 
as like a bonus for your executive team. Yeah, yeah. Because people will gain that too. And, that, and that's kind of the beauty of, of things evolving, right? Is that I think the general consensus of the CX community is that right now, you know, we understand that it is a, a terrible idea, but it is a piece of the puzzle, whether you like it or not. So it's how do you build, you know, the entire outlook and then how do you use that to measure your uh, improvement and your engagement with the customer. So I guess just speaking about that kind of, um, you know, evolution of, of applying CX metrics and in, in, in the general sense of uh, evolution, I guess, Mary, for yourself, what's, uh, uh, how has your approach to CX evolved over years? Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, so customer experience has been defined and viewed in so many different ways over the years and also in terms of ownership. So for a really long time, customer experience either lived in product or in marketing and really focused almost solely around the product experience. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the end-to-end focus on the entire customer journey uh, was, you know, left out of the picture um, and out of the measurement. But we've seen over the last decade or so that customer experience has taken on a much more holistic view and even teams created that are yep. specific to customer experience in organizations. Really large enterprise organizations will have a customer experience team that either reports to like the COO or maybe part of the customer office, um, yep. depending on how the work's structured. But what I've seen work best is that the customer experience focus is across the entire business, mm -hmm. across all functions and across all biz the business solutions. Yep. So for companies that have multiple products, right? You need to have kind of a holistic framework for customer experience right. and measurement that tells the story across. Um, and this is really where customer intelligence and what I'm focused on currently today yep. comes into play is that you have so much data across the customer journey from satisfaction scores to NPS scores to product you know, adoption and utilization to sentiment within the support tickets yeah. um, or email threads, right? And so the ability to roll up that view of your customers in a really holistic way, um, which we're referring to as customer intelligence, because it's something that is looking at, we have AI dragging yeah. this, but it's patterns across customer behavior, across many different levers of measurement, right? So customer experience has become something that is much more holistic than just looking at either the partnership or the product, but you're really looking at both. Yep, yep. That's very interesting. I think uh, um, I really want to pick apart the idea of customer intelligence and how it came to be. Um, but if we just take a quick uh, step back in terms of uh, technology and CX, right? I think that's a very interesting concept in the sense of um, kind of how has technology influenced um, CX as a, as a discipline, um, and the way that people work and how that is then applied across companies, how that's actually practiced. Because, um, you know, one of the things that you always see is that um, oftentimes technology and vendors have a huge influence, sometimes even disproportionate influence over um, how CX is practiced and then how that is implemented in reality, right? So you mentioned, obviously, disconnecting some of the silos and making sure that everyone is aligned in terms of all the metrics and all the data. Um, but I guess from a, from a technology point of view, because obviously, Mary, you know, you've been on technology side for, for, for a very long time. How has the idea of customer experience technology changed in the eyes of 
companies who actually deliver the CX? Mm. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Cause I think a, a lot of customer experience in the early days really was about differentiation in your product, gaining adoption and trying to look at the end, end user experience kind sure. of only, right? Um, and so I think that taught the companies a lot about user behavior. I think in the B2C side too, um, yeah. is really where it started to be like the most relevant because you're picking apart the individuals who are coming back, you know, time, time and time again. Yeah. But applying it to B2B became super important too, because you started to be able to look at the patterns in usage in your main contacts, you know, mm -hmm. um, end users. Yeah. So a lot of times in B2B, you're only um, communicating, you know, at a certain level in the organization, mm -hmm. like in HR technology, yeah. you're communicating at the HR team. But it's really all of the end users across the organization that are using your product. Right. So it's super important to keep a pulse on both, right? And that's where I think a lot of the early CX B2C work um, yeah. and being applied to B2B uh, has, has been really impactful. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that product-led growth strategies today, you hear, you know, ton of PLG, PLG, oh, yeah. <laughs> PLG, right? <laughs> And CX is super critical to that because you have to make it intuitive enough and the what's in it for me and the value part of the technology has to be super apparent right mm -hmm. away and ongoing. Yep. So you can't sort of have a one and done experience for the end user. Um, you have to continually evolve it. Um, and that's where I think we're seeing a lot of new focus on CX kind of best practices and yep measures to dig into how do we get a handle on how people are uh, adopting and uh, how are we retaining these users mm -hmm. when you know we're not we don't have a human kind of overseeing their value and success right yeah yep. so and that's kind of where i see the evolution now that's very interesting that you mentioned it coming together almost backwards in the sense that you know in b2c obviously for a lot of companies who started off with, um, you know, product-led growth probably meant, meant something completely different 100 years ago right. <laughs> than it does now, right. right? But then taking the concepts of caring for your customer, kind of understanding marketing, understanding retention, understanding loyalty, and then applying that into B2B, that's a very interesting concept. Obviously, technology has adapted very, very quickly. Um, and providing CX professionals with, you know, different abilities and different ways to interpret uh, customer journeys, to understand sentiment, to gather specific metrics. So obviously for a very long time, that has been historical data. So how do you interpret the mountains of data that we have? How do, you, how do we ingest everything? How do we kind of make sense of it all, right? Um, now moving more so into the proactive and the predictive suggestions and actions now, right? Mm -hmm. So could you, could you maybe touch on, on about kind of the, the evolving role of, of technology and how that has changed throughout time? Oh my gosh, this is super, this is an exciting topic. We might need like a day to cover it, but you know, the reality is for the longest time, um, software as a service was really the game changing sort of revolutionary part of putting the customer at the center of businesses, software yep. businesses. Cause like the on-prem world, you're building houses. It was really hard to like move to a new house, right? Along comes SaaS, 
you're renting apartments. You know, you don't like your landlord. You, you can up and move to another apartment. And it completely changed the value proposition and the type of support, you know, that that's needed. Yep. But in the on-prem kind of model, it's very reactive maintenance sort of mode. And um, with SaaS became the realization, like we, we have to not only be reactive, but we have to start being proactive. We have to start, you know, instead of looking in the rear view mirror, we have to like be looking out the windshield um, and like start to you know, act on things that are coming up down the road, right? And and so and so I think over time we've developed the tools and resources and capabilities to be able to make that transition. But I do feel like the post-sale teams have always been last to receive like the most focus and optimal technology, um, budget, you know, all yep, of that. Yep. Um, but we are in a place now that I think that's being recognized and the ability to look into the future and look beyond the horizon and not just be proactive, right? Because that's great. But what's really wow and amazing to customers is that you know what's on the horizon yep. and you're already there by the time they get there, right? And so it's that prediction of what each of your customers is going to need that mm -hmm. is possible today, which never was before. So like um, AI and machine learning have been, again, like so much game changing, you know, innovation and technology yeah. that can be applied to customers, really putting them at the center. And so you and I chatted about customer intelligence, you know, a yeah. little bit earlier in the conversation, but that's really what is driving the opportunity to do this like predictive and personalized yeah. experience for customers at scale. So you're like wowing them and differentiating yourself, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. And the work and onus on the CSM or account manager or whoever's working with the customer yep. has become much less because the technology is telling them, hey, your customer's going to need this. You should reach out, you know, yep. Yep. to Lucas and see, you know, if there's a referral possibility or whatever the case may be. But technology now can give you that early warning of risk and give you the indication of upsell. Yeah, and that yeah. was something that like we've we've never had the opportunity, you know, to apply. Um, and it exists now, which is really that. exciting. I love that. And so maybe taking in one of the concepts that we mentioned previously in the maturity model based on where the market is at. And so looking at predictions and looking at AI and where the uh, the market is in terms of AI, the, the need for AI and the adoption, where do you think we're at on that scale at the moment? Oh my gosh, the need has been there for a while. Um, the need's been there for a long time. What I would say is post-sale didn't have the unique systems until the last, you know, seven to 10 years, let's say. Yep where there started to become a recognition that people working directly with customers after the sale couldn't just hijack, you know, the sales systems anymore or use spreadsheets. Like yep. managing, okay, this probably sounds familiar to many of our listeners, but managing customer health through a spreadsheet, you know, when you've got 20 customers, it's like super easy. You know all of them by name and you can, right? When you get to 500 customers, it is it is out of control to try to be able to say what's going on with each and every one of them, right? Yep. So we finally got the systems 
post-sale to match how we're needing to track and take care of our customers. But that was a journey in and of itself. Now we're to a place that we have all this amazing data. We've got customer management systems that pull from CRMs. We've got community platforms. We've got support systems, right? We've got yeah. NPS surveys. Like we have all this great stuff. We haven't as customer leaders had the opportunity to pull all of that together, mm. unless you have data science resources. If you're lucky, you can get some data scientists, but you still have to determine what are the questions you want answered. Yep. And so even with a data science team, there's a ton of insight that you might be missing, right? If you can even get your hands on certain data at all. And so now enter AI and where we are today, we've got our post-sale systems, yay. We've got, you know, all, we've got our resources focused on the right delivery strategies. Mm -hmm. And now let's unify all that data, qualitative and quantitative. Let's put it together and let's look, I mean, like you said, historically, we have mounds of data. Let's unify that and run it through these AI models that will tell you little variances in customer behavior that actually have a huge impact on churn or on expansion. Let's figure that out so that we can not only meet the customers where they are, but get ahead of them. Mm. And that's where I see, you know, technology, I see AI, you know, advancing us today and making customer intelligence as a whole possible. I, lo I love that. Um, and I think, I think that perfectly encompasses uh, how technology is very much adapting to how people's approach to work has changed and how you know the, the previous traditional ways of managing data and managing customer records customer journeys is becoming enhanced with this new level of of, of intelligence of experience and you know i feel like especially now looking at kind of some of the ways in which these things are defined and what they're called it can be a jungle out there <laughs> For a lot of, uh, you know, customer experience professionals and CS uh, customer success leaders to try to unpick and find the tool and the technology that's relevant for them. I think, Mary, you have the benefit of, of having been in the industry and having seen kind of all these changes happen. So I'm really curious to, to pick your brain in terms of how you see all these definitions of um, customer experience changing. Because, for example, one of the recent things that I have seen a lot is customer intelligence, right? And, and it, 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 there does seem to be a lot of gray area between what's customer intelligence, what's, what's customer experience, what's consumer intelligence, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great question. I think anytime we try to change mindset or introduce, you know, a new category or a new concept, it takes time to build a unified definition and educate the market. Yeah. And to start talking about it consistently, um, I do think like consumer intelligence, you think of, I do anyway, like I think of Coca-Cola and Pepsi <laughs> having, yeah. you know, really good um, consumer intelligence focus and sort of best practices. Um, but like people know when you say consumer intelligence, I think for the most part, it's like, oh, they're tracking what I'm buying, yeah. you know. But translate that into customers. There's so much complexity more, I, I would say more complexity, right? Because you're not tracking just behavior of, of individual users and then rolling it up. You're tracking behaviors of multiple roles within an organization right. that you have an impact on differently. So the product impacts the leaders, 
your you know, program owner and the end users a bit differently. So the way you roll it out has to meet you know, all of their needs. The relationship that you have with the executive sponsor versus the project team, they're very varied, right? From strategic to tactical. And so you have to take um, a different approach. And so it sort of takes consumer intelligence to a level of much more complexity when you yep. kind of think of it as customer intelligence, right? Interesting. And how how do you see these um, terms and these definitions evolving throughout time? Well, I think it's interesting because um, AI for a long time, while people knew what AI like meant, I don't think how it was being applied was really well understood or how it yep. could be applied, yep. right? And even machine learning, it, those terms, I think, are much more well known, but I think still not fully understood. Um, I think all of the technology that's being advanced for um, more effectively storing you know, millions and millions of data points in the cloud without crashing uh, has made you know, our ability to innovate and optimize, you know, even that much better. So I think, you know, we keep building, we keep adding to the building blocks of the things that are working, you know, really well, sharing best practices across communities, um, across industries. Yeah. And I think that's how we're, you know, continuing to evolve um, our, our use of technology and innovation across across industries, across B2C, across B2B, across, yep, you, know, yep. you name it, retail, you know, not even just software, but you're seeing a lot of post-sale focus now in industries that are outside of software. Um, and they're starting to adopt some of the terms and some of the structures and systems and best yep. practices. And so that, that's really exciting. Um, and I, I, think, I think that will continue. I like it. I like it. All right, Mary. So let's jump into our quick fire five question round where I'll give you five questions and you can answer as quickly as you can. Ooh. Okay. So first things first, favorite example of CX outside of your industry? <laughs> I'm loyal to Delta. Um, they've done a really good job and they continue to improve the individual, like my personal you know, experience. What's your biggest pet peeve with CX as a business discipline? Um not not leveraging like um a holistic set of measures and outcomes i think when people get wrapped only around a couple measures um you're missing the whole picture what are your favorite online resources to stay up to date with news in the industry Ooh, uh the gain grow retain community for cs nice. professionals uh is really good cx buzz uh is a publication that i track pretty frequently. Um, LinkedIn is a great resource. Nice one. And then uh, looking at the physical, what's the one book you would recommend to the audience and why? It doesn't have to be CX related. Ooh, there's so many, so many good ones. Um, Donna Weber uh, wrote a book on customer onboarding. Mm -hmm. That is really phenomenal. Um, I think it you know, that's an area that hasn't had a lot of focus in the customer experience, um, specifically in how that can be optimized. So definitely recommend her book. Love it. And last but not least, what's your favorite CX quote? Uh, well, I, 
I love uh, Robert Kath's quote, when the customer comes first, the customer will last. That's my favorite. I love that. <laughs> I haven't actually heard that one before. I, it's in my signature even. <laughs> <How is> it? <laughs> I started using it, yeah. I love that. So yeah, Mary, uh, that's it. It's really great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It was a great to chat with you. <laughs> Likewise. And uh, to everyone else, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on LinkedIn, sharing CX insights from our various guests and building a CX community one episode at a time. Peace. <laughs>